0: Kindergarten through third grade, you guys are dismissed to head downstairs for junior church. Adults, you're stuck with me for one more week here. If you would take your Bibles and open them up to Ezekiel chapter 20, we're going to be there today. We are on the third and final sermon of this sermon series called The Work of Resting. We've been looking at the topic of rest over the last two weeks. Today we're going to be finishing up our discussion here. We're going to be looking at resting from distractions, resting from distractions. Week one, we looked at the theology of rest, and we simply saw that rest is something that we need. God designed it for us. He himself demonstrated rest after creating the world in six days. He rested on the seventh. Then we saw that rest in the Old Testament is designed to help us slow down, to connect with God. We defined it simply as this, stopping from hardships to purposefully give time to God to connect and to be with him. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath ritual was a command God gave the people to follow. Six days you will work. On the seventh, it will be a Sabbath or a rest to me. Then he gave them holidays called Sabbaths as well. Times to remember what God had done in their past and what he was doing with them in the present. It was also time to remember their relationship with him. In the New Testament, we don't see a command for that. However, we do see this principle of rest lived out. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul highlighted that uh, Sabbath was pointing to something greater. The fulfillment is in Christ. In Hebrews, it defines that in Christ, We can have the true rest, the same rest that God had himself when he rested from creation. We can rest from our work, knowing that we do not contribute to our salvation, but Christ has solely done it for us. The work is done by God and complete. Last week, we looked at how do we apply that to our lives. We looked at some different ways. The first one we simply said was to carve out time, which is probably one of our most challenging aspects of this principle or spiritual discipline in our life. Can we carve out time to give it over to God to rest with Him and to be with Him? It's tough. The reality is we get busy, busy doing a lot of things. And even in our times of rest, There's still busyness, and our mind gets distracted, we start thinking of other things, which is what we'll talk about today. We looked at a number of different ways to, to, or what to do with rest, and you can find those worksheets back in the back if you weren't here last week or the week before. I have copies in the back for you. But today we're going to be looking at resting from distractions. When I was studying, I found this quote from John Ortenberg, who describes just a little bit about his life. He simply says this: not long after I moved to Chicago, I caused a I called a wise friend to ask for some spiritual direction. I described the pace of my life in ministry. The church where I serve tend to move at a very fast pace or a fast clip. I also told him about our rhythms of family life, how we were in van driving and soccer leagues and piano lessons and school orientations. I told him about the present condition of my heart as best as I could discern it. I asked him, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? There was a very long pause and he replied then, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Another long pause. I responded, okay, I've written that one down. What's the next one? Is there anything else that I need to do? This was a long distance call and I was anxious to cram as much units of spiritual wisdom I could into as little time as possible. There was yet another long pause. There is nothing else, he said. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. It's rather hard to do as a Christian because it seems like our plate is always filling up with more and more things, whether it be with work or with family or friends or ministries. Life doesn't seem to slow down. It just seems to keep getting busier. But I like what Wayne Cordiero illustrates in his book, Leading on Empty, as he talks about his burnout as a pastor in Christian ministry. He uses an example of a water cooler. Not this exact picture, but sort of like this. What happens is our life is like a water cooler, all right? The spigot here opens up when we're giving ourselves into something, whether it be ministry or work or friends or families. We're putting time, we're putting energy, we're putting effort, we're putting love, care, joy into these things. And what Wayne highlights is a lot of us have a problem of shutting off the tap. We just leave it open and we continue to give and give and give. And eventually what will happen to us? What happens to the water cooler if you just leave that spigot open? it will eventually start to run dry. And for people in life who start to run dry, we experience burnout, we get tired, we feel the lack of passion, joy, love to do what we used to do. Our families don't mean quite as much to us because we're just tired, we're exhausted, we can't give anymore. And it's because we've failed to shut the spigot off and we've failed to pour back into our life. We've failed to find rest in God And to continue to go to him the way we need to. I thought that was a powerful illustration because, yes, we know that Christians burn out. And as I looked at statistics this last week of how we live in America and our culture around us today, we find that busyness is a very difficult thing to deal with. In fact, in 2017, they found out that average workers who worked for five years for a company got 15 days off a year. If you worked for 20 years, you got at least 20 days vacation. That's not a whole lot of time, but what's interesting is they found that 52 percent of Americans didn't even use all of their vacation time. In fact, Americans are taking less days off of work now. It could be because we're just busy at work. It could just be busy. It could be the fact that we just need the money. We need to work more because we need more. It could be because if we just take time off, we get too far behind in our work. But you see, busyness is not just the only distraction that we experience. And distractions aren't new to us as Christians. They've been going on even in the Old Testament. So that's why we're in Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 18 through 26 today. We're going to take a look at what God says to Israel about some of the distractions that they experienced in their lifetime. It simply reads this. And I, being God, said to the children in the wilderness, do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor keep their rules, nor defile yourself with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes, be careful to obey my rules, and keep my Sabbaths, or rests, holy, that they may be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. But the children rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes. They were not careful to obey my rules, by which if a person does them, they shall live. They profaned my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the wilderness. But I withheld. I withheld my hand and acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of other nations, in whose sight I had brought them out. Verse 23, Moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would scatter them among the nations and disperse them through the countries, because they had not obeyed my rules, but rejected my statutes and profaned my Sabbaths or my rests, and their eyes were set on their fathers' idols." Moreover I gave them statutes that were not good and rules by which they could not have life and I defiled them through their very gifts and their offering up of all their firstborn that I might devastate them. I did it that they might know that I am the Lord. Now this might sound very confusing so let me explain just a little bit about what's going on here. Ezekiel of course is writing to the people of Israel who are living in captivity at the time in Babylon. This is about five years after the The um, captivity had started. Verse 20 is God re-highlighting to the people of Israel their history with him. Really, it's about their failures to worship him, to follow him, to cling to him. And in fact, their problems with idols. And it wasn't just with the children, but it was also with the fathers. They were turning to the wrong things. God talks about how in Egypt he called them to these things and they did not respond well. Even out on Mount Sinai, he called them to these things and they did not respond well. Time and time again, his wrath boiled up, but he did not destroy or obliterate them. He withheld his wrath and showed mercy and grace. Yet there were consequences to their disobedience. Here, God simply says in verse 18 through 20, he gives them some commands. Don't go the way of your fathers. Don't follow their footsteps. Don't follow their example. Don't fall into the same trap that they did. Don't fall into the same idols that they served. Be different. Then he says, I am the Lord your God, so follow my statutes, my regulations, my decrees, my ordinances, or my commands. Obey my rules, my judgments, my regulations that I've given to you for your good so that you can live at peace with one another. And then notice he also adds this in. Keep my Sabbaths holy. Separate it apart from everything else. Why? Why is God so concerned about their days of rest, their times of rest? It's because idols tend to distract us from this. When we serve other gods, they tend to work us to death. They want our time and our energy. They want our life. I find it interesting in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1 and 2, the two commands kind of are back to back. I think for a very specific reason, but it reflects what's going on here in Ezekiel Leviticus chapter 26, 1 and 2 simply reads this. You shall not make an idol for yourself or erect an image or a pillar. You shall not set up a figure of stone in your land and do not bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. What makes God different than anything else out there? is that he gives real rest. For Israel, they had the seventh day off. They were commanded to take the seventh day off of work. They were also commanded to take holidays off throughout the year. They were also commanded to take off a year every seven years. And then every 49th to 50th year, there was more rest. Why did God do this? It was to teach the people to cling to him that he was their God, that he was the one providing for them. God commanded rest for Israel to understand how important it was to be with him. Yet the problem is in verses 21 we see that the children rebel. They still don't listen. They have the same problem that their fathers had. They turned away, they defied, and they profaned. Profane simply means to defile or to, con- to treat with contentment. They didn't see any use for a day off of rest. They needed to work to provide for themselves, to make ends meet. So what happens? In verse 21 and 22, we see God says, I would pour out my wrath on them, but I steadied my hand. Israel certainly did not deserve God's mercy, but God showed it because of his goodness. It wasn't because of what Israel did, but the goodness of God. And it was for his name's sake. That his name wouldn't be polluted in the mouths of other nations, saying, look, he brought him out of Egypt and then just wipes him out. What kind of God does that? God says, no, I didn't do that for my name's sake. I'll show the people of the world who I am. But notice that it doesn't mean that he doesn't show them consequences or give them consequences to their sinful actions of turning away from them, verses twenty-three and twenty-four shows us the consequences of the distractions of what happens when our eyes turn to idols. He says, "Because they did not obey, because they rejected, and because they profaned my Sabbaths." Here's what's happened: I swore that I would scatter them; that they would be dispersed through other lands and other nations. In fact, we know this to be true, and he's explaining this very fact to people who are in captivity at the time. Israel needs to know why were they in Babylon? Why were they allowed to be captured by Nebuchadnezzar, taken elsewhere? I thought God gave them the promised land, and it's because their hearts had turned away from God. In fact, what's interesting is God's so concerned about this day of rest for Israel, this time of rest, that he sends them away for as long as, as many years that they did not Sabbath or have the Sabbath rest. Seventy years you'll be in captivity. You'll be dispersed because you didn't keep my Sabbaths. There's a powerful reminder that God holds these commands very important to Israel, that there were certain consequences that came with it. And then notice finally verses 25 through 26, which is probably the weirdest part of this passage. Because it's pretty unique here. At the end of all of this, he simply says, so, so what? So I gave them rules that were not good. I, gave, I defiled them through their offerings of their firstborn. I might devastate them. I did it so that they might know that I am the Lord. These I statements are powerful throughout this. Simply what it is, is God gives Israel what their hearts really wanted. You want to go after idols, I'll give you over to those things. And notice the whole end of it, so that they might know that I am the Lord their God. We see this idea repeated in the New Testament in Romans chapter 1. We, man, exchange the glory of our creator for creation substituting God out for lesser things. Romans chapter 1 highlights that we exchange the image of God for the image of man or birds or animals. And even Paul in the New Testament gets this. God gives us over to our depraved minds, to our sinful minds. He'll give us what we want. What's interesting is it's so that we can know that truly he is God. We don't really want to ever get to the point of a low-low, of being devastated. As Christians, certainly we don't want to get to this point. We don't want to turn away so much so that God has to discipline us this much. But the reality is, even as a Christian, our hearts can tend toward idols. So what do we learn from this passage? I simply think that this passage is trying to show us that Israel was rejecting God by turning to idols... And God gives them what, he des- what they deserve. you want to serve those man-made things? you want to serve the things that will take up your time? That will not give you life? That's fine. You're going to understand that that's what they lead to. But on the positive, this passage also shows us that God can give us real rest. He can give us life. He can give us joy. The problem for us as Christians, though, is that our heart battles the tension between living for God and still striving to resist idols. There are still idols that pop up in our life all the time that distract us from resting. So I want to talk a little bit about those today. You'll find those on the worksheet as we fly through this today. But what keeps us from resting? The first thing I have there on your sheet is busyness. We've talked about this in the last couple of weeks. Being busy will distract us from resting and from turning to God. God. Busyness, I don't just mean by working, but I also mean by ministry. Putting so many things in your life that may be good, but they don't give you a chance to slow down, to stop, and to rest in God. See, I I agree with you guys. I I think it's very understandable that in the Old Testament, God said six days you will work and on the seventh you'll rest. There was supposed to be this rhythm, as we said last week, of work and rest. Work's not a bad thing. But the problem is it can easily become an idol, demanding our attention, our energy, and all of our time. And to be fair, there's busyness in life just all in every direction, whether it be with our families, our kids always needing us to our work. I mean, there's just always more to accomplish, to do, to work ahead, to try to achieve whether it be relationships and just trying to spend time with people, that can easily eat up time and energy, and it's easy to fill our schedules with busyness. Adam Mabry, who wrote the book The Art of Rest, simply writes this, It's not rest that threatens to oppress you in life, but it's your refusal to. If you reflect for a moment, you'll probably realize that the nonstop pace of Western world life is neither physically sustainable nor beneficial spiritually it is however a remarkable effective way to slowly forget god and that's just the point god gave us regular weekly times to stop in order to know that he is god and we are not Justin Early, who wrote The Common Rule, simply wrote it this way. He said, Stopping to take a nap in our culture seems like a sign of weakness or poor stewardship. Sometimes we honestly feel like it's even immoral to rest. We conspicuously display lives of constant busyness to show off our status. There's just not enough time to sleep because there's always more demanding from us. Busyness is one of those idols that we can fall into a trap of serving. Can we focus to slow down and give God time? To slow down to be with God? I'm not talking about just giving time to rest. I'm talking about giving time to God. To say, you're right, I don't need to continue, keep doing and doing and doing like I have been in my life. I can slow down and know that you are the one doing it. As I've highlighted before, Psalms. Be still and know that I am God. Can we even really live that out? It's tough. When we serve the idol of busyness, the answer is no. How about entertainment? The idol of entertainment can easily distract us from rest because there's always more things to consume, to be a part of, to play, to watch, to read. So don't get me wrong, TV is not a horrible way to rest. And yes, TV can be a part of your routine or your spiritual practice of rest. There's a lot of conditions with that, but I want to give you this one. It cannot be your only way to rest. If you think that watching or playing TV is how you're going to rest, you're going to miss out on what God truly desires you to experience in this practice or in this spiritual rhythm of life. One writer simply wrote this, the truth is that I'm far more likely to give up my sleep and my rest for entertainment than I am for prayer. I mean, I turn on Hulu late at night, and I don't consciously think to myself, I value this episode of Parks and Rec more than my family, or prayer, or even my own body. But my habits reveal and shape what I truly love, and what I value, and what I care whether I care to admit it or not. Sleep habits or rest habits reveal and show what we trust. Look, I'm not against watching TV as part of rest. I think that's okay to some extent. It can't be the only thing we do, but it's also easy for it to start to consume all of our time that we were trying to set aside to be with God. The next one is laziness. What's the difference between laziness and restfulness? Laziness is when you're supposed to be working, you're resting. I always I find it interesting that in Christ we have rest, but it's also very true that in Christ we are created for good works, that we have a mission to go into all the world and make disciples. We shouldn't be lazy. We have a job to do, but we also need to balance out that job with times of rest, to be with God. The next one is social media's instancy, or simply how I, uh, I write it out, feeling connected. To be fair, it's really hard to, to break away from some things in life because if we break away just for a day, I mean, let's face it, if we just put our phones away for a day, we come back to it the next day, we feel like we're already so behind. I don't know about you, But if you turn off your phone for a day, if I turn off my phone for a day, I know I'm coming back to about 70 emails in my email box that I'm going to have to sort through. Yes, the truth is most of them are garbage. But the fact of the matter is those things pop up regularly. Did I miss something? Did I miss an email from someone? Let's face it, Facebook does the same thing, where you get notifications right away as soon as someone posts something. What what I also find interesting is now that you get notifications about someone posting something about something else, and it's just notifying you that someone else is talking. It's the weirdest thing, right? I'm not against Facebook. I'm not against being connected. But there are some times that we need to put those things away. They call and demand our time and our energy that we could give over to God. But just this idea of not being connected scares us. Because then we have to deal with who are we really by ourselves? Am I really the Christian that God's called me to be? Am I really trusting God the way he's asked me to? Social media can distract us from that. Rest, though, will challenge us. The next one is this idea of a, a need to feel significant. This perspective in our mind that if I'm not doing something, I'm not worth it. I think mom's who stay at home or dads who stay at home can easily feel this, that if you just take a break, there's always more to be done around the house and things will just get messy. And if you don't do something, you're just not significant enough. In fact, there was a huge wave in culture years ago that tried to convince people that if you stay at home and work with your kids, well, you're just not putting value into the community That's not true. You're you're training your kids. You're working with your kids. There's some real value to that. But the fact is, when God calls us to rest and to stop and to be with Him, man, we start to lose significance because we're not doing anything. We're not achieving. We're not succeeding. We're not doing it. But it calls us to face the reality that, no, that's right. We aren't the thing that the world revolves around. We're not the one making the world turn. We're not the one that Well, you know the old adage, right? The sun sun or the universe revolves around me. That's not a truth statement. The truth of the matter is that everything revolves around who? God. Rest causes us to realize that, to go back to that reality and that truth statement, to have our faith practiced out and say, no, 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 you're right. I'm going to give up this time so I don't have to feel significant because I know God is the one who needs to be significant in my life. The next one is stress, demand, and overwhelmingness. Or simply this, too much to do. There's always more to be done at home. There's always more to be done in our life. If we stop, we'll just get behind. And it's scary. Justin Early puts it this way, maybe it's the laundry, maybe it's a yard project, or maybe it's even the work emails or the job search. Whatever it is, when you plan to stop for 24 hours or when you plan to rest for a time, You come to the stubborn reminder that you cannot do it all. And that's the point. Practicing rest is supposed to make us feel like we cannot get it all done because that's the reality of how things are. We can't do it. Rest protects us from acting out the lie that we can do it all. And it's true. We get into this mindset, this mind frame. And the last one is consuming or obtaining goods. This idol of trying to always acquire more will cause us to work endlessly, to devote time and energy to attaining the next best thing. These are idols that we need to resist, that will challenge us in our rest for God. So here are some principles that we see from Ezekiel chapter 20 and that we learn from today. Simply this, distractions pull us away and force us to reject God's calling to live for him. Distractions or idols, to put it another way, pull us away. And they force us to reject God's calling. Because idols are not going to say, yeah, that's right, go away from me. You don't need me. They're going to demand more of you. Our sinful hearts tend toward idols that do not rest. Israel's a great example that it's not just Israel's problem, but it's mankind's problem that we tend to turn to idols and go away from God's commands and rules. We all have that issue. We all need to recognize that regularly and repent of it. The third one, idols demand and consume time and energy that we need to rest. And really, I want to add in there, to rest in God. They're going to convince you you don't have time to do that one simple thing in fact, even in your time of rest, they're still probably going to demand your mind and your attention. The next one, rest helps us acknowledge the God who gave it. Remember, if anything from this series, just remember, rest is designed to help you focus on God. And the last one here, serving an idol for too long will lead you to disaster. Idols will not bring you life. They will not bring you rest They will not bring you joy in life. They will drain you down to the very bone. They cannot nourish. And it will always lead you to burnout or disaster. So here's what I want to challenge you guys with as we get ready to close. These things are on your handout. There's a number of questions that I want you to consider on the back of this sheet over the next week as you reflect on some of the things we've learned over the last three sermons here. The first thing I want to encourage you to do, that as you think about this time of rest that you want to give to God, or if you even have time in your life to rest, is to pray. Talk with God about some of the activities that you want to do during your time of rest, or things that you might need to stay away from. Second one, communicate and talk with God about what your heart wants and desires. I'm always reminded of what David says. Search my heart and know me, O God. Why? Why does he, he ask God to do that for him? Because sometimes he gets fooled. Or sometimes he just needs God to show him what's right, what's wrong. What do I need to turn my desires away from or to? The next one, distance yourself from anything that drains you or demands your time on your time of rest that you're giving to God. Distance yourself. So if if the TV is demanding all of your time, your effort, your energy, then just say, you know what, I'm going to put that at arm's length. Maybe you're around people all week long. And even on your days off, people are demanding your time. Maybe you just need to distance yourself just for a little bit to get away from people so that you can focus on God. Maybe it's your phone, maybe it's a book. It could, be, it could be a number of things, guys. But think about how you're going to put those things at maybe arm length for just a time so that you can focus on God and get a right perspective of how to use those things once again. The next one, devote your time and attention to God slash others without interruption. Why do I have that in here? Because as we said, rest can be done with other people but don't let interruptions continue to bother you. Be focused on what you're doing with others. Nothing annoys my wife quicker than when I pull out my phone to start playing games or to check emails or anything when I'm talking with her. I imagine God feels the same way when we're trying to dedicate time, attention, and energy to him, but yet other things are coming into play. If I just check that work email one more time, God won't mind, And it gets us off track, and then we realize an hour has gone by. Think about how you're going to do this without interruptions. The last two here. Refrain from using electronics as a default way to rest. I put this on here because electronics have a very, very persuasive and powerful presence in our life here in America. They're not bad. They're good tools, and yes, you can use them in your time of rest. But don't make them the default way to rest i.e., today or this afternoon, I'm gonna go rest. I'm gonna watch TV all afternoon. It's probably not the most beneficial thing that God wants you to do. There's other things to do. Don't use just electronics. And the last one, engage your body, mind, and soul in rest. Remember this rest is not designed just for our body, it's for our whole being. God gives us rest through Christ. He wants us to experience this holistically. In the sense that our body receives rest, our mind receives rest, and our soul receives rest in him. We need to remind ourselves that rest is a significant blessing from God. And it helps us to be with him. We need to, purpose, we need to be purposeful in our giving time to God in our life. I want to remind you, idols will try to distract you from finding rest in God, and they'll try to convince you that they are better. But please understand, and don't be fooled, they simply want to distract you from trying to find rest in God. Rest from the distractions. Get away from them. Put them away for a while. And let yourself find true rest in Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer.